We want to thank you for being a part of our TV audience today via live stream, via internet television. God is doing some wonderful things. People from around the world are joining us. This past year, more than 70 nations were represented on a regular basis, and we welcome you to the program today. It is our prayer that God is going to use this ministry to be a blessing in your life. I want to encourage you that during this program, you be a partner with Evangel Temple. We are trying to spread the good news of the gospel to every man, woman, boy, and girl, and we need your help. We want you to partner with us. We want you to join us. And, and uh, during this program, you can go to the contribute button and there be a blessing and help us to get this gospel out during these last days. Jesus is coming soon and we are under a great commission to reach people of all walks of life in all areas of our world. And I want to encourage you, join us, be a partner with us and uh, go to that contribute button, make a, uh, a donation to the, the ministry of television and live stream and help us reach people with the gospel message.
Everybody slip your hands up right now. God is here. God is here. Never take God's presence for granted. Did you hear me, church family? Don't ever take God's presence for granted. I want everyone to lift your hands right now, and I want you to just tell Him how much you love Him, how much you're thankful. Come on, just worship Him right now. Don't take it for granted. Hallelujah. There is something powerful that's happening today. Hallelujah. Everyone listen up. God. Praise God. Everyone find the scriptures and turn to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. Pastor Jordan called early this morning. They had a long day of travel, but they're in Santa Cruz, Bolivia with the doctors and nurses from this church and the full medical team. And they left Orlando. They were at the Orlando airport about 4 a.m. yesterday morning. They finally got into Santa Cruz, Bolivia about 1 a.m. this morning and up early. And uh, Pastor Jordan is preaching two services this morning in a very large church in Santa Cruz. I preached there, and he got to church. He prepared, studied, prayed, and the pastor said, I want you to preach on this subject. And it was a different subject than he had planned. He said, what do I do, Daddy? I said, preach. Amen. <laughs> what do you mean, what do you do? Get up there and divide the word of God. Amen. Isaiah 60. The medical clinic, right after they have both services, they will open the medical clinic. And it's in a very poverty-stricken area. And there will be many people that will be ministered to starting this afternoon in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. So I want you to pray over Bolivia this week. Amen. They'll be back Saturday. Isaiah 60, beginning with verse 1. Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. 
but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. You may be seated. Today is Arise Part 3. I want to cover just momentarily Part 1 and Part 2 to bring everyone up to where we are today. In Part 1, we looked at Psalm 68. Now, back in the fall, I was reading the scriptures, and this word arise kept coming to the surface. I kept seeing this word in, in a number of different passages and a number of different inferences in the scripture. And Psalm 68 was part one, where God is on his throne. Enemies are coming against the work of God. Enemies are even attacking God and the plan of God. And the psalmist cries out, Oh God, arise. He said, As the smoke is driven by the wind, would you not arise and drive away your enemies? As wax melts before the heat of the fire, Oh God, would you not arise? I'm telling you, there are enemies of God today that want to thwart the purposes of God, but God says in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Nothing is going to stop the work of God in these last days. Nothing is going to stop the plan of revival in these last days. And the psalmist cries out when he sees these enemies amassing themselves and these enemies attacking the work of God and the church of, of Jesus Christ. He says, let God get up and scatter his enemies. I'm telling you, God gave me a word in that first part that when the enemy comes in one way, the Bible declares, and I released it over this congregation, that the Bible says he'll have to scatter seven ways. Somebody claim that right now. I don't know whether you've ever been under the attack of the enemy, whether the enemy has ever come your way uh, to try to thwart God's work in your life, but I've got a word on this Sunday morning. Let God arise and let his enemy scatter, not one, not two, not three, but seven ways. It goes on in Psalm 68, and it says that, uh, let the righteous rejoice with exceeding great joy. Uh, there comes a time that, when you see the hand of God at work in your life, you need to let joy and rejoice and get down in your spirit. And it says, by the name of our God, Jah, J-A-H. Everybody say Jah. I told you in part one that is the Hebrew abbreviation for Jehovah, which literally means the self-existent one, the imminent one, the one that needs no one else. But God by himself can scatter all of the enemies that are attacking your life and attacking his church. Well, it says, let the people of God rejoice. I want you to stand up right now, and I want you to throw up your hands, and I want us to rejoice before Jah, the self-imminent one. You may be seated. That was part one. Part two was two weeks ago today. Genesis 35, God says to Jacob, arise. It was time for Jacob to leave Laban's house. Some of you have been down at Laban's house far too long. At Laban's house, he got some wealth and he got some material things, but he also picked up Laban's gods. When they left Laban's house, his own wife stole her daddy's gods, her daddy's idols, and hid them in their stuff, in their tent. 
I'm telling you, if you're not careful, as we are in this world, we are not to be of this world, and we are not to pick up the idolatry of this world and let the idol worship of this world rub off on us. That's why God calls Jacob, come back to the altar. And I talked to you about generational altars. Establishing altars that you can, uh, that will be there down through the years that you can point your family to, your loved ones to. That that's a good altar. That's an altar where God showed up and God made covenant promises and God uh, gave us a word and God uh, did some powerful things uh, in in directing our pathway. And Jacob goes back to the altar of God at Bethel and he meets with God. And God says, "Put away the strange gods. Take off your earrings." I explained to all you women, you don't have to give up your earrings as long as it wasn't an an earring from an idol, amen, and a part of idolatry, amen. Just let it be to adorn and make you look pretty and nice, but it's not a part of idolatry, amen. We're not worshiping the creature, we're worshiping the creator. And God appeared to them, and then he calls Jacob, Not only to Bethel, he calls him to go down into Egypt. Before you make a drastic move, do what Jacob did. God's calling him to take his 70 family members and to leave, to leave Canaan, the land of promise, and to go to Egypt, which was a type of the world, and to leave uh, uh, all that he had enjoyed in the, the, the altar at Bethel and go down to Egypt, and he has to go to Beersheba to the altar there. He wanted to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God had spoken to him. I'm telling you, friends, I wish that every man, woman, boy, and girl would be uh, uh, that focused on the fact that before we make major moves in life, we get to the altar of Beersheba. The altar of Beersheba was where his dad had met God. The altar of Beersheba was where Abraham and Isaac had worshipped God. It was a generational altar. And... And Jacob goes to Beersheba and God says, go down into the land and I'm about to do a miracle of multiplication. Well, that leads us today to part three in Isaiah 60. Israel arise is the call here in chapter 60. Zion, Israel had long been prostrate in the dust from the prophet's standpoint. Covered with thick darkness, Israel could not shine her own light. She had no light of her own. She preferred the cloak of darkness, the cloak of sin. Isaiah is written about 750 B.C. Now I want you to watch this. There are some scholars that believe there were two Isaiahs. One that penned chapter 1 through 39 and another Isaiah that penned chapter 40 through chapter 66. I was looking at this and I remembered my college days as this became a a little point of debate in the classroom. And and as I began to study, if you have the Dakes Bible, D-A-K-E-S, it is one of the best reference study Bibles. And Dakes, I found this yesterday, really gives ten very good reasons for the unity of Isaiah. The single authorship of Isaiah. Is that important? Friends, God's word is intact however it got to us, whether by one or by two. I do believe it, there was one Isaiah, but I want to tell you whether you believe there was two Isaiahs writing this or one Isaiah, I believe there's more proof for one Isaiah. I'm here to de- declare let all men be liars and God's word be true. And there's something powerful for us in this passage. Israel 
Verse 1, get up, arise out of your idolatry, out of your backsliding, out of your promiscuous ways, out of your darkness, out of your sin. There is a parallel for America today. On February 2, 2014, I was reading the writings of Samuel Langdon. He was a pastor. And he is calling America back to her God. This preaching or this sermon was given before America became a nation. I want you to listen to this. May 1st, 1775. We were colonies and we were well established, but we had not birthed as a nation until, uh, until July 1776. A year and a couple months before that, Pastor Samuel Langdon, in addressing the Congress of Colonies in Massachusetts, listen to me, 239 years ago, this pastor got up before the Congress and he says, Have not the sins of America had a hand in bringing down right, righteous judgments upon our land? Wow. Early on in American history, a pastor dare approach Congress and declare God is judging this nation. Even as early as we are in our formation and foundation, uh, man was straying, and Pam Samuel Langdon, the pastor, gets up before uh, congressional officials there in the colony of Massachusetts, and he says, Is not this the hand of God's judgment that we are seeing? Is it not because we have forsaken the Lord? Can we say that we are innocent of crimes against God? Are we not guilty, guilty of apostasy? An open observation would show us our profaneness, our intemperances, our unchastity, our love of pleasure, our fraud, and our other vices. Have our statesmen all acted with integrity? Has every judge judged with impartiality in the fear of God? He went on with a very lengthy discourse calling the early colonies back to the seeking of the Lord. I want to tell you, friends, there are 375,000 churches in the United States of America. And let men and women stand in the pulpits on this first Sunday of February and declare that America needs to get back to God. Arise, America, and turn to your God. And Israel is being called in chapter 60 to shine forth the light of his glory. It is not man's glory. It is not a nation's glory. But it is the glory of God. Amen. Point number two. It's time for the church to shine. I want everybody to write this down because this is absolutely an incredible great quote. I wrote this by the way. Amen. I was sitting there writing notes, and I wrote this out, and I said, oh, wow, that is really good. <laughs> so I put my initials by that because I want, I want to be remembered by this quote. Amen. The church has intoxicated itself on our culture. Pastors and churches who allow the culture to set its belief, its standards, and its agenda. I'm telling you, the church has become intoxicated on our culture. The church and Israel, according to what Pastor Kilpatrick showed us, parallel each other as train tracks. 
And I actually found this in the pulpit commentary this week and the Matthew Henry commentary because both were discussing, they did not use the verbiage train tracks, but they used the, the thought process that what you see concerning Israel, you'll see concerning the church, that they parallel each other. And Brother Kilpatrick actually used the terminology where like two train tracks that always follow. And so what you see God doing with Israel, you're going to see God doing with the church. Amen? Well, I want you to watch this. This is the greatest hour of opportunity for the church in America. The Bible says, where sin doth abound, grace does much more abound. In these last days, there are signs in the heaven and there are signs in the earth. The earth is groaning for redemption. In part one and part two of Arise, I mentioned the blood moons and showed you a little bit more about that in part two. I was seated in the room over here waiting for the service to start last Sunday morning talking with Pastor Kilpatrick, and I mentioned to him that I had preached about the blood moons a little bit the previous two weeks, and he said, I'm starting a whole series today, which was today. He said next week, which is today. I'm telling you. The signs of the heavens and the signs in the earth remind us that the coming of the Lord is getting near. Darkness has covered the earth. Gross darkness, the people. Religious people who like to judge but don't want the presence of God is a sure sign that darkness has covered the church. Churches that have become cool but are carnal is a sure sign that darkness has covered the church. Churches that have become trendy but out of touch with the power and the anointing of God is a sure sign that darkness has covered the church. I'm calling for the church to arise in America in this hour and let the glory of God be seen upon us, His manifest presence. In your Bible reading guide yesterday, yesterday's reading, when Israel murmured against Moses and the leadership, God said, you are not murmuring against Moses, you're murmuring against me. But I want you to watch this. Watch it in chapter 16. He sent his glory, and his glory became judgment. Where does the Bible say that judgment has to begin? In the house of God. I'm telling you, friends, God is concerned about the church of America. And while the church is embracing the culture, while the church is embracing the sins of our nation and the church is making acceptance for the sins of a nation that has wandered far away from God, we cannot be found in that light. We must stand and we must preach the word of God. We must tell men that this word is our rule for faith and practice, not what men believe, but what the word of God declares. And God sent glory and it judged the people. Glory comes. And God has to judge his people sometimes. He has to judge the church of America. But it's all for the purpose of cleaning up. Because Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Somebody say amen. Verse 3 says the Gentiles will come to the light. And kings, ruling monarchs is the Hebrew word. They will make their way to the brightness of the light. Joel in the book of Acts says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. His glory was clear. It would be seen upon Israel and in their days of wandering, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And that caused the enemies of God and the enemies of Israel to have fear in their heart. But the commandment was to arise and shine and to throw off the darkness. 
I'm telling you, friends, that Heaven's Gate's drama is about this church propagating the light in this city. If you will plant seed, I believe God will reciprocate it to your family members being saved. The best thing you can do if you have a wayward son, a wayward daughter, is believe in Heaven's Gates like never before and work on getting people here. I always have believed, I've been a proponent of this, that when men begin to work on the lost, God causes somebody to work on our unsaved children and family members. You will never outgive God, amen? John 4, 35 says, The fields are ripe unto harvest. Lift up your eyes from every tribe and every tongue. Isaiah 60 says, Devout men from every nation are going to come and worship. The Gentiles are going to come. Verse 5 says, You will see and you will be radiant. Your heart will be filled with, uh, with excitement and thrill and you will rejoice at the abundance the seed will bring forth, the riches of the seed. Isaiah 60 says there will be a continual stream of caravans. Ephah, which was a sub-tribe of Midian. Sheba, Arabia, on and on. The spices of, uh, from all over and the gold and the silver uh, from Kedar, the flocks. On and on the Bible points out from Naboth, uh, the rams that would come as bounty. When, when Israel would arise and when the church arises, when a nation of America, I'm telling you, we need the nation of America to get back on her knees and we'll see our economy turn around. You won't be worrying what the Dow did this past Friday. You'll be shouting knowing that God's in control. Amen. Verse 7, he talks about the offerings that will be acceptable. I want everybody to understand that there are some offerings that are unacceptable to God. That is God's prerogative to call something acceptable and unacceptable. That is his sovereignty. And when Cain offered a certain offering, God said it is unacceptable. If you do well like your brother, I will accept your offering. And God said in Isaiah 60 verse 7 that there will be many sacrifices that will come and they will be acceptable in my sight. Amen? Point number three. In verse 7, he says, I will beautify my glorious house. If you look at the English Standard Version, that is the exact rendering. If you look at the Amplified Version, God is concerned. If you rightly divide the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, you'll see that God is concerned about his house. Isaiah 60, verse 7, he says, I will beautify my glorious house. God wants his house to be a place uh, that we take pride in. Amen? He's very concerned about the beauty of his house. I want everybody to listen very closely here. We are embarking on a venture of faith that over the next two years, beginning May 1, we are going to beautify the house of the Lord. God has opened doors to this church. We are to arise and walk through the open doors. Church, we must arise. Because our belief in the soon return of Christ, we must do everything we can to reach souls to teach, to involve, to see the kingdom work advance. We can affect the destiny of people of all walks of life. Everyone knows that the Assemblies of God is the strongest missionary organization there is. It's known for that. Every missiologist will tell you that. You know that one of the pronged strategies of the Assemblies of God is to go into these nations and to establish strong children's ministries. 
We have seen this. What, what did the atheists try to do back in the 60s? They took prayer and Bible reading out of the schools because over a generation or two, uh, they greatly reduced the spirituality of a nation. We, as the Assemblies of God, are going back into nations and we're, we're setting up Bible schools. That's part of our approach. We're building churches, but we're also establishing very strong children's ministry for the generations to come so that we can affect future generations. How many believe in children's ministry? I want you to hold your hand up right now. I'm telling you, the church must plan for the next few years, and we invest in children. How many have children or grandchildren? I want you to hold your hand up right now, all over this room. Our two-year plan called Arise will help us to reach and more effectively to children. Our two-year plan will help us to create better involvement, connectivity, and community among the adults and the youth of our church to reach more souls. Our two-year plan, which begins May 1st, is going to help us to do something significant for Israel. And you heard me two weeks ago today say that with God's help, over 24 months beginning May 1, we would love to give $200,000 in a strategic way to bless Israel. How many believe that will be a God thing? God says, I will bless them that bless her. She is the apple of God's eye. I want you to watch as we share a 90-second video, and we're going to draw this to a close. Please, no one leave, because what we're about to do is going to be powerful after this video. But it'll give you a little synopsis of what the next two years is going to look like very briefly.
For the word arise means motion and action are called into being. You see him come back. God has called Evangel Temple to arise. And he's calling people here to become involved and to join the church even on your birthday. Happy birthday. To become a new member. And to be a part of what God's doing in this hour. And to reach children. I've got grandchildren coming along right now. I've got my fifth one on the way. Amen. I want our children's ministries at its strongest. To reach our children. To train them to become young men and women of the faith of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 60. Arise and shine. For thy light is come, the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And Gentiles, this is verse 3, shall come to thy light. I want us to claim that right now. I want everybody that has an unsaved child, unsaved family member, I want you to hold your hand up in their behalf, and I want us to call them to the light. I, I've read this in, so, in a number of commentaries. And it's talking about the allurement of the light. The brightness of his glory is going to be so strong. They're going to be attracted to the light. I watched yesterday on Lane Avenue a fire engine go. And I saw people turn around on Lane and go south on Lane to follow that fire. The light is going to become so strong that the unsaved are running to the light. I declare verse 3 over this church family right now in the name of Jesus for every person that has their hand up concerning unsaved family members as we live close to the coming of Christ that the brightness of His manifest glory is going to cause your family to run to the light and the brightness of His rising among us and say amen in assent to that. Look at verse 5. Then thou shalt see and flow together. Thine heart shall fear and be enlarged. It means with great excitement. Because of the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. And the forces, all of their, their abundance, the forces of the Gentiles shall come. God's going to call in everything that's needed from many different ways. God is concerned about you, sir, and about you, ma'am, and about your business. And I'm going to prophesy some things and declare some things, and I want you to receive it. And God's going to cause the Gentiles in faraway places, according to verse 5. Your heart's going to be full of excitement because of the abundance of the sea that's coming unto thee, to the church, to the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Look at verse 7. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Neoboth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on mine altar. That means that the sacrifices you offer are going to be acceptable before him. Amen. Would you hold your hand up right now? Father, may the sacrifices of this congregation and every person watching be acceptable pleasing sacrifices and that you will glory the house of your glory look at verse 9 surely the isles shall wait for me 
and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from afar their silver and their gold with them unto the name of the Lord thy God to the Holy One of Israel because he hath glorified thee. Lord, I command a release of the finances to this church family over every home and every family that God, that abundance come to your people that there be no lack among us that in these days God as we come close to the coming of Christ that your people will be blessed and the true definition of blessing is that you have enough to then bless others and bless this world if you receive that say amen look at verse 13 the glory of Lebanon shall come upon thee the fir tree the pine tree the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. I'm telling you, God wants this house beautiful. And he wants every person that's a part of the evangel temple, he wants you to take pride, right, the right kind of pride. You should desire this house to be a beautiful place of worship and esteem this place, and we release that. And you'll make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of them, this is verse 14, that afflicted thee, shall come bending on the, unto thee. Everybody that's been attacked, I want you to hold up a hand. You've been under any kind of attack. I want to speak this over you. Verse 14. The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee. And all they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet. They shall call thee the city of the Lord the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. I declare that over you in Jesus' name, and I declare that over this church body and church family. And let all the church say amen. Look at the blessings God de declares in verse 17. For brass, I will bring gold. For iron, I will bring silver. For wood, brass. For stones, iron. I will also make thy officers peace and thine exactors righteousness violence shall no more be heard in thy land I want everybody in this room lift your hand over this verse we're gonna claim that this is gonna be a peaceful city you're gonna have a peaceable family no violence and I declare that let me read the rest of it while you've got your hand heavenward violence shall no more be heard in thy land wasting nor destruction within thy borders somebody say amen but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise come on give him a praise offering right now three more verses 20 21 and 22 now we had a crowd of people show up last night at six o'clock and we got to pray in these scriptures through this sanctuary and i'm telling you I thought the glory of God enveloped this place. There was waves of His presence that filled this house. We're, we're, we're standing on the Word. Verse 20, look at it. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light. And the days of thy mourning now have ended. Somebody receive that right now. Today, February 2, 
2014. The days of your mourning today have ended. Thy people, everybody say my people, also shall be all righteous. I'm putting my name right under that verse. I'm claiming that for my family, thy people, my people, amen, your people. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. I don't know if you can stand still when I read this last one, but I declare it over every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room right now. Verse 22, a little one shall become a thousand. Little is about to become much. A little one shall become a thousand. A tiny portion or a small one shall become a strong nation. What you thought could not happen and what did not happen in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, God's Word says, I am hastening it in this day, in this hour. A little one shall become a thousand. A small one shall become a strong nation. I want you to lift up both hands right now, all over this room and at home right now. And Father, we decree and declare that there is no lack among us, that your people are going to be blessed, and that God, you're going to release the abundance and the blessings so that God, we can fund the harvest, that we can do incredible things for the work of God in these last days. I declare that your word says today you hasten it. The time is now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give glory and honor to the Lord. No. Come on, sing it. I know.
I want our prayer partners to come to the front, our pastors to come. If you're a part of the prayer team, I want you to come to the front. I want everyone that needs healing in your body, everyone that needs healing, you need to be anointed with oil. I want you to come stand over right here. And we're going to lay hands on every person that needs healing and minister to you individually. I want someone to come stand for Bill Stansberry right now. He needs a miracle in his life. But if you need healing, I want you to come over here. And then I need a number of the prayer team over here. But you need healing, I want you to come. I'm telling you, this is your year. Don't miss part four. Don't miss part four. If part one, two, and three have been a blessing in any form or fashion, I'm telling you, don't miss next Sunday. Because God is going to arise with healing in his wings. He's about to release something in this church. You need healing. I want you on this side. Please come over to this side. I want you on this side if you need healing. Everybody that needs healing over here on this side. I don't want to get these altar calls mixed up. Everyone that has a spiritual need of any kind, a spiritual need, I want you to come over here right now. From up in the balcony on this lower floor, a spiritual need of any kind. God bless you, sir. Amen. Come on. A spiritual need, I invite you to come. I'm telling you. Jacob's being called back to the altar. Jacob is being called back to the altar. God's calling you right now. Everybody that has a spiritual need, get on this side over here. Please don't mix it up. You got a spiritual need. If you've been wayward, if you've been a prodigal, if you've been a, a Christian, you've fallen into the trap of sin, you've been allowing sin in your life. Come on. Come, 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 come quickly. If you need to give your life to Christ, if you need to get saved, get born again, I'm telling you, I still believe in the old rugged cross. Makes a difference in a life. Come quickly you've got a spiritual need come over here we're going to sing this again while the prayer partners minister but I want everybody in this room that's not praying down I want you to slip your hands up and let's celebrate the veil has been ripped open so we have access